This is Micah McCurry live number 16 with Jonathan Ray. Had a great talk with this good friend of mine. We were soul winning partners, bus calling partners back in the day at Golden State Baptist College. Greatly appreciate his continued ministry and service for the Lord. Hope you enjoyed this conversation. We are live with a good friend of mine, Jonathan Ray, one of the few, unfortunately, friends that I've kept in contact with from back in the day, really not that long ago. But that's so sad, isn't it? I know. I I know. And we can we can get into that a little bit because you're one of the few people that I know from that time frame that qualified to talk about it. But uh, first question I always ask 50 to 100 words. Tell us who Jonathan Ray is. Yeah, so if you don't know me, it's okay because I'm not that famous. <laughs> Even though I'm on, you know, Micah's famous broadcast here. I know, I know. He he made an exception. <laughs> so uh, my name is Jonathan Ray. Um, my dad is Mike Ray. I get to serve on staff with him uh, here at Hopewell Baptist Church in Napa, California. So Napa is right in between Sacramento and San Francisco uh, in the Napa Valley. Um married to Melanie, and we have a 20-month-old who is getting into all sorts of uh, trouble all the time. No, but he's he's great, J. Michael. And so I get to serve on staff here at the church that I was raised in and just having a good time. I'm assistant pastor. I do a little uh, programming work on the side, too. And that's that's pretty much it. That's it. Now, you have a lot of other interests that you dabble in, as do I, obviously, this being one of them. Um, but you had uh, – I don't mean to jump straight into it too quickly. You have a, a passion for and you enjoy teaching. You enjoy learning. Um, a lot of those different types of things. What are those some outlets right now that you get to exercise the, that spiritual gift in uh, right now? Because I think spiritual you have a new – yeah, it's a, a new class you started, right, pretty recently? Uh, no, not yet. That okay. uh, might, you know, might be down the road. We'll okay. see. Okay. Um, but right after, um, right after college, graduated from Golden State like you, and um, just felt like yeah, you know, I needed to dive in a little bit more uh, to the Bible, and um, felt like yeah, you know, opened up the Bible and there's whole books of the Bible. I not only didn't understand, I didn't know how to find the answers. Uh, to, you know, to what I was reading, you know, whole swaths of Ezekiel, you just look at and you're like, man, you know, I'm glad someone understands this. And um, especially like the book of Zechariah, right? And so I felt kind of discouraged that, you know, if I ever, if I ever do a, an adult Sunday school or uh, something like that, I'll have to dodge certain books of the Bible, and that means that there's whole sections of theology that I, I wouldn't be too strong on. I'd be very good at um, telling you what I believe. It's just, you know, probably not very good at explaining the the whole counsel of God. So I wanted to. Um, I did some. Uh, an, I did an online uh, program, uh, Master of Divinity, and um, did the original languages track. So um, learned uh, to read Greek and Hebrew, and then. Um, that has not just helped, you know, sermon preparation and stuff like that, um, but it's helped me personally in devotions. I use that every single day of my life, and it's helped me and it's helped uh, uh, my wife, helped our marriage, just 
digging deeper into the Word of God, and it helps you understand it with precision and accuracy. And when you do, then you get to you get to savor it a little bit more. And uh, it's it's helped me a whole lot. It's not like I'm an expert in any way. You know, I, I don't preach every single Sunday. We'll be starting an adult Sunday school class uh, coming up soon here. And so I'll get the, the chance to do that again. I did that back in Baltimore when I was on staff. Um, but just now starting it up now that the health is a little bit better. And so, um, you know, being able to do it week in and week out will be, you know, will be nice. Um, and getting to put that into, you know, um, to, to practice every single week instead of say five or six times a year when I get to, you know, uh, preach here at Hopewell. Sure. And there's a, it, it comes to mind a study I read a, a long time ago that food that you cook yourself is just a little bit more enjoyable for some reason. Your brain just, you, because you saw the entire preparation process, maybe the anticipation, but I think it probably holds true a little bit for a Bible study too. There's, there's It's great to hear a, a man of God or, or someone, you know, preach and expound a great truth, but there's something to be, being able to mine out some of these things. And we're not talking new things. There's nothing new, new nothing new in the sun, but being able to dive in a little bit. And you've been a, um, uh, an evangelist in that way to me, just, just pointing out some tools and, um, uh, encouraging me to, to do that. Um, cause a lot of times you can get stuck on, here's what I do. Here's what I know. And yeah, you dabble reading and, and you, you know, look at some other things, but that very diligent time, um, really soaking in God's word and purposefully trying to mine it out is, is something we don't make time for a lot. Um, just cause we're here. What is a, I know the answer, but what are, what's a tool or a couple tools that you use religiously, um, to help with that study that some pastors, assistant pastors might be interested in looking into. Yeah. And, and again, I'm not, I don't claim to be, you know, um, uh, some expert or guru on this. I just know what what's helped me. Um, I I haven't read a print Bible in probably seven years. So I do uh, my devotions on my laptop, and I have a um, a program called Logos, and so it's kind of the the Lexus of uh, Bible software programs, and it's expensive. I mean, I've probably spent as much on this, on this, uh, program as I have my car, you know? Um, and that may seem really, really odd, but it, it is my library. And so I don't have a library of, you know, uh, 5,000 print books. Um, I have a, a library of about, I don't know, 4,500 digital books and it's stuff I, I really do use. So that's helped me. And it's allowed me to, um, use the resources and not just have them sit on shelves. You know, sometimes bookshelves, you know, look really nice and, uh, you know, it makes you, um, makes you look very scholarly. But if, if you're not using some of these tools, it's not very helpful. Um, they're just kind of sitting there. Um, but a, a thing like Logos allows you to do, um, research at a, a rapid pace. Um, it allows you to get what you want, um, very quickly. And it, it's really helped me in that area, whether it's been looking into Bible backgrounds or word studies um, or a topic study, um, sermon preparation, oh, you know, from, from A to Z, it's been very, very helpful. So I don't just use it for, for sermon prep, but I also 
you know, it's daily devotions. And so um, as I'm going through a text, I will um, have notes attached to the actual text in the program. And it's become kind of my, my running commentary on the Bible, but it's mixed in with my devotion notes. I used to, um, before I got uh, into this program, I would uh, hand scribble um, little journal entries, you know, for, for devotions. And that was great, except, I mean, I'm sure they're, they're somewhere in a drawer and, um, you know, they were great devotions that I had, but I, I don't get to profit off of, uh, those times with the Lord anymore. Those seed thoughts are just, you know, in a, uh, in a drawer, but doing it digitally, you, you don't lose anything. And so my my running commentary on the Bible now is like 800 pages in Word. Uh, it's just accumulated over time, and it's not all my own thoughts. It's sometimes you copy and paste, um, you know, things from mm-hmm. commentaries or Word definitions or this or that. And so having that at my disposal where um, I can look at a note from six years ago is very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. And it's in, it's interesting to me because obviously I'm using this medium of social media and technology to to put this podcast out and things. Um, but there's a lot of tools that and now is there a lear- learning curve? Yeah. With anything worth doing, there's probably a learning curve. And does it cost money? Yeah. And anything worth doing is going to cost you time and money. That's how it goes. Um, but the, a, th- a conversation we've had in the past was, you know, how we feel like there's so many things we didn't learn in Bible college. And that's not a knock on either Bible college I went to or the Bible colleges that you went to, they they weren't set up to be seminaries. They're very practically based. Now, I didn't learn every single practical thing five years in the ministry. There's a lot of stuff I didn't learn in Bible college too. But um, I think to your point, we need to make it a lifelong discipline of Bible study instead of expecting that we're going to learn everything about Ezekiel and Zechariah in four years of, you know, Bible college learning, it's not going to happen. And I think it's a great tool. Now, going back, we kind of jumped right over it. But what is kind of your not necessarily Bible college, but what is kind of your genesis of who Jonathan Ray is? Go back to, you know, comic book number one origin story. What's kind of your upbringing, obviously growing up in a preacher's home? But what does that kind of look like for people that aren't familiar with you? Um, preacher's kids are usually, uh, punks and that, that would, uh, that would qualify me a little bit in, uh, as a teenager. And so you had some up and down times, um, midway through Bible college. Um, there was a, a, a big turning point for me when I, um, you know, when I really asked myself, am I, am I going to do this for my whole life here? Um, and not just do it because it's a, you know, something expected of me or, or whatever. And it was a, it was a big uh, crisis of faith moment. You know, that's, that's not an exaggeration. And so, um, I asked, uh, I asked a lot of questions that maybe were, were taboo, like, Hey, you know, you should be farther along than this. And I, you know, I started asking some, some fundamental questions and that propelled me, uh, into some of that. Um, and you know, that that's helpful. And so, um, you, you remember, you know, we got to do some uh, guest preaching and filling in uh, in pulpits. And so when when you feel like I have the answer, you know, um, whether it's some sort of, you know, question about uh, separation standards or, you know, it's it's a question about bigger pictures like, you know, can I trust the Bible? Is Jesus who he said he was like, you know, bigger stuff like that mm-hmm. when you feel like 
there, there's no doubt in the world if I was the only person on earth who believed this and everyone else just stopped believing, I would still believe it. Like I'm, I'm mm-hmm. dead set on this. Then you can preach that with so much more passion than you would have otherwise. And, and that, that applies to, um, uh, to sermon preparation and teaching lessons. If you believe this is it, this is the, this is exactly what it's saying. And this, you know, applies perfectly to this area. You can preach it very powerfully and and passionately. Um, and I think that if I were to choose between, um, eloquence in preaching and a, a sense of, people knowing that I believe this and it's um, it, it's not any type of showmanship at all. And I could be bumbling over my words and, you know, stuttering the whole time. But if they feel like he really believes this and based on what he's saying, yeah, that that's exactly what the text means. And if I'm putting myself under the Bible, I, I have to do that. You know, um, and I found that for for me personally, when I'm in a text and I feel like, you know, you, you've cleared out all the other interpretations. I mean, you've you've dug deep in here. There's there's nothing else this could mean. Um, you know, it's a it's a neat place to be because right. then you're asking yourself now that I know for sure this is what the Bible saying, um, then it, it's all the more important to apply that to your everyday life. Sure. Now, I'll give you a second to think over it and you can decline the question altogether. But just for example's sake, is there, and I'll, I'll, again, I'll give you time to think about it, but is there an example of that that you've done? And because we've talked about things, some things and you, you shed some light on some things for me um, and just, just little passages, even just one word uh, that you could give it as, as an example. And we know the Bible's of no private interpretation, but something that you really feel in, in your heart of hearts that you've mined it out. Um, is there a example just for people listening say, why do I need to drop 600 bucks on the base package of logos and, and you know for all these books and, and why do i need to take the time i got my king james bible and that's all i need can you give us an example of something that might say hey you've never thought about this it's biblical something you can think of, of like that like right that? right and it's not like you need you know this specific program or sure. something but um you know if if anyone you know is watching this and in you know, you're wondering, okay, you know, I, I do my devotions and I have my Bible and I, I just feel like there's more there. Um, if this can any way, you know, spark your interest to dig a little deeper, there, there's so many tools uh, that would be helpful to you. Um, you. You take the passage you just mentioned, um, that the Bible is of no private interpretation. What does that mean to you? Like if I were to ask you straight up, okay, you know, what does private interpretation mean? Um sure. What would you say? Um, I have to think of the context, but I would probably say, um, meaning that there is, it's not a man by man decision. It's not a, you have one thought. I have one thought. We can all just, it's, it's not a all roads lead to heaven type thing. There is God said it one way. He meant it one way. That would be mm-hmm. my, that would right. be my good. And that, that's what, um, uh, all the Catholics would agree with you there too. Okay. Because they believe that, um, you know, it's definitely of no private interpretation. You need the the church's authority on what you're interpreting, how you're interpreting it, because we 
you know, mere humans can't understand the mind of God fully. And, you know, you, you can't, you can't have your own private interpretation. You can't just be sitting there with your Bible and expect to understand it. And so that's been used. I mean, that, that's a really okay. interesting uh, sure. example, right? Sure. And so, and so you, you, you read that in a commentary somewhere that that's the Catholic position. You're like, well, you know, what exactly does this mean? Because right, if I know, agree with the Catholics, does that automatically mean I'm wrong? <laughs> right. Okay. Um, but it doesn't. It, it doesn't mean that. Okay. Um, you know, I can sit underneath a palm tree with my Bible and not attend church, and I can just have my own private little thing there either. I don't think that's what it's talking about either. I think in in context, um, it's talking about how um, we we got the Bible. Um, saying that, um, I believe it's there in, in first Peter, if I'm not mistaken. And it's, um, men of God were carried along by the Holy spirit and this and that. And then right after that, it says it's of no private interpretation. In other words, that the people that God gave the word of God to those prophets, it wasn't their own interpretation, their own little scribblings on um, on how you should live life. No, it was from God himself, and it was their interpretation that it's talking about, I think. And I think for me, that changes the whole uh, sure. the whole way we quote that verse. Sure. And, you know, so that's an interesting little thing. Um, right. But but there there is the idea that really all you need Micah is a uh is a bible and hopefully you don't have a study bible hopefully you don't have any cross reference it's just just the text okay um and that's all you need it it just takes only a couple examples to to say that 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 just can't be so right um that might be all you need if you know Every single word definition there is, you know, all the customs and cultures of the Bible to be able to understand it. Yeah, if that's you and you have all of that information, then yeah, sure, you know, that's all you need is the Bible. Um, but there, there's just so many cultures that have to have a certain custom explained in order for, you know, something to make sense at all. So, I mean, there's there, there's places that a missionary might go where um, the people there have never even seen a sheep or a lamb. They don't, they literally don't know what it is. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the missionary has, um, the option, okay, when I'm translating the Bible in this language, do I translate sheep as pig? You know, they know what that is. You know, you, you, you imagine how much theology that would destroy in the old Testament, especially, or do you right. just, you know, invent a new word for them in that language that, you know, a lamb is this, you, it requires you teaching what that concept is, in order to grasp um, whole passages of the Bible. So if you don't know what that concept is, then you sitting underneath a tree with your Bible, you can't understand certain passages. Mm -hmm. And that's just with a word concept. There's whole cultural customs that, um, that are helpful to understanding a text too, right? Um, that doesn't mean that, you know, if, if someone is... Uh, not terribly educated or whether whatever they're not going to understand the Bible, but but really they're not going to understand it at the very granular level. Like if you go to a passage in Ezekiel and you say, okay, this verse right here where God says, "I am against your pillows," what does that mean? And you know, you 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 need some help there, right? Sure. It's surely it's not saying that God is against you know sleeping on pillows. Okay, I mean it's right, right. So, Absolutely. so, so you need some some sort of help, whether it's with word studies or with background um, 
issues or whatever. And they call that hermeneutics. And that's not some sort of dirty word. One way or another, we have to figure out how to study the Word of God and to figure out what it's saying. And again, um, two, there's um, there's an idea that you don't need uh, dictionaries either and that the Bible just defines itself. And you know, certainly you can say that with any sort of book, like you, you pick up Moby Dick or you pick up a, a work by Dickens and, you know, you can kind of tell by context what a word means. That's not unique to the Bible, but it doesn't hold true in every case. Right. You know, there there are certain passages where you, you really can't figure out what the word, say, pillow means in that context. Right. How many of those cases are there? There's not tons of them, but it's just it's just not true that you can, in every single case, um, with every word in the Bible, just figure out what it means based on other times that it's mentioned. Sometimes sure. it's not mentioned anywhere else. It's it's not um, it's it's not helpful. Right. The, uh, the, get, the law of first mention doesn't help you if it's the first time it's mentioned and last, and you have no idea what it's saying. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times the law of first mention is like the rule of thumb of first mention. It, it doesn't work either all the time. Right. I before E except you know? after. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one example here of like a custom that comes in handy, you have the, uh, the parable of <clears throat> the king who's throwing the big uh, celebration and he invites all the mm-hmm. you know, noble people and everything and they won't come. They give all these excuses. So he says, go into the highways and hedges, compel them to come in. So, you know, they're, they're rounding up all the bums on the street and, you know, everyone else, and they're all coming in. And then there's this guy who um, the, the text says he, doesn't, he didn't have a wedding garment. So the king took him and threw him out into utter, utter darkness, you know, where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. And you're like, I mean, here, here's a, a, a bum on the side of the road that you got into the celebration. Well, of course he's not going to have a, a kingly garment to come into the celebration with. And so you're kind of stuck going, you know, was the king just a jerk? Or, I mean, the, the, the king represents God, so that, that can't be it. Right. Okay. And so, you know, you, you pick up just like any resource at all, and it will explain that, you know, there was a cultural custom that a lot of times kings would take garments out of their own wardrobe and send them out as celebration invitations, as as a wedding invitation or whatever. And so he graciously gives you of himself in order to come to the feast and you try to get there on your own without his grace is the whole point. And that opens up the whole parable. Right. But I, I would not have known that if it hadn't been for some resource that would have guided me. Sure. And it's not, it's not like, you know, every resource is infallible. None of them are. Um, but that's just, you know, the nature of life. Okay. Um, the same folks that might not want to use a resource because those are man's words. Um, have a Schofield Bible. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And so that, that's a personal conviction of mine that you, you get more if you, um, if you, you dig more into the Bible, there's all sorts of dangers there too. It's not like you can just pick up any resource and figure it out, but it's, it's like, you know, working construction. Um, I, I personally have never dealt with heavy equipment before. And if I just tried to, to jump in and, um, use certain saws or whatever, I'd get my fingers cut off because I've never been trained on how to do that. And so, uh, a little bit of training, some, um, you know, uh, 
a couple hours of going through, you know, um, you know, with someone who's, who's done this before, um, some older men who could, you know, guide you in, in that sort of thing is very helpful. And you, you learn how to use the saw without cutting your fingers off. There, there are certain resources. Um, and I know you want to probably move on to another topic, but You're just fine. one here. Um, there are certain resources that are, um, written by unsaved people that are still very helpful. Um, I just bought a, a a massive commentary on Leviticus by an Orthodox rabbi and the man's not saved. Um, you know, there's, there's no way he is. And he, in a lot of places, it's, you know, him explaining from a Jewish perspective, what certain things mean, but it's a gold mine of background information that I wouldn't have gotten anywhere else. Right. And it's very helpful. And he explains a lot of the laws that are, uh, that, that the Canaanites, the Moabites, Hittites, all of these neighbors of Israel had that parallel the, uh, the Levitical laws. And then he mentions how Israel's laws were distinct and what set them apart. Hmm. Without having that information, um, you, you, you miss a lot. And what I've gained so far has been very, very helpful because sure. I thought, you know, um, I, I used to think that Israel was very unique and they were the only one with this massive set of laws. Sure. And the fact is that all of their neighbors had large sets of laws. They had temples. They had uh, animal sacrifices. But the distinguishing factors are what makes all the difference. Mm. It's very interesting. So one example there, all of the neighboring um, countries um, or you know, races and, and um, you know, the, the people that God said to wipe out and get out of the Canaan land, uh, right? Um, all of them – in their in their sacrifi- in their sacrificial system, everything revolved around some sort of demon. So, if you were offering a sacrifice, um, it wasn't because of some sin you did. It was for some demon you're trying to appease, to ward off his wrath, to get something from them. And it was this um, uh, kind of you know meritorious works system where, you know, I want to get the demon to leave me alone or do this for me or do that for me. And their whole system was based on that sort of thing. And in Israel's system, there was not many gods, but one, always one. And the demon wasn't the one who was ticking off the God. It was humans themselves. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's very interesting, but, uh, but a commentary like that, even written by an unsaved person, if you handle it with, with care, there are certain nuggets in there that are that are very helpful, and how much would that affect a sermon? Maybe you you talk for thirty seconds about that, and it's a lot of reading for a little bit of payoff, but but you would not have gotten that elsewhere, and that's just that's my conviction that I've come to. Sure, and, and I'm not going to get into it because I'm I'm speaking ignorantly, but I, I can already think of one or two practical applications that you you could. You could revolve a whole sermon around um, with just with the last example. I think that's the um, a, a, one of the reasons that I started this podcast is because there's a lot of people I'd like to talk to for an hour. And you may have heard this before. Those of you that have listened have heard this before. A lot of people I'd like to talk to for an hour, but I don't have a good excuse to. Now, you and I have probably talked far more than anyone else I've had on the 
uh, podcast so far um, to, since our time, you know, separating in college. Um, yeah, you, you got to maintain friendships and sure, intentionally. A- absolutely. And, and this is a vehicle that kind of allow that because you said you want to move on another subject. No, I, I'm I'm greatly enjoying because it just whets my appetite again for man. I got to get back dive deeper. I got I got to work harder at it um, because just like with working out, just like with eating right, the more you do, the better it gets. Um, but I, I think for people that are on the outside looking in, have no clue, have never even dipped their toe in the water. It's okay to not know what you don't know, but you got to come to that realization. You got to, you got to realize I don't know a whole lot, but I want to change that. Um, and and I, that was a realization for me in that I didn't know a whole lot or I still don't know a whole lot, but I want to change it. And it's an active thing. Now, am I well for, I'm farther back on the journey than you are, but we're headed the same direction. Um, and so, but I, I appreciate that you laid out very well. If anyone's interested, go to, a, you don't have to use this, 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 this resource, but logos, L O G O S, um, dot com. I, I have it. Um, I need to use it more. Um, it's a great resource. Check it out. And that they have, you know, starter packs or basic things to just dip your feet in it and, and see if you'd like it. Um, but, a transition for just saying it here uh, because there's a story I want to get to about someone that we that we know um, soul winning. Your dad's obviously um, too many and for a good reason considered a guru of soul winning because he does mm-hmm. very, very well personally. Uh, I know he just taught um, I think up at North Valley if I'm not mistaken uh, yeah. about it. Um, but for you, I, I know you're good good soul winning because we've gone soul winning together. Okay, so let me let me stop you there real real quick. This is real interesting. So my dad does this um, uh, this clinic there at uh, North Valley uh, for for a day. He just did that, and um, a a convert of ours, Geraldo Reyes. You remember? Mm -hmm. uh, He came up to my dad and said, "Hey, you know, Jonathan uh, led me to the Lord there in Bible college, and you made that visit with me, and that I mean that that's just really neat to hear." Yeah, well, you know. the things, and not to be unspiritual, but yeah. I love food. I remember the minuto that we ate there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think on our follow up visit, that was that was excellent. So I will always remember her. Although I would love to, co- uh, unfortunately, can't go to Patrick's conference. This is a good moment to tell you we started the podcast uh, number sixteen with uh, with Jonathan Ray a bit early because the North Valley. National Pastors and Workers Conference starts at, I think, 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 um, Pacific. And so as soon as this ends, we're going to definitely end before that. But jump on and watch that nvbc.org. Would love for you to hear some of the preaching and singing going on. Um, But would love to, next time I'm out there, get a hold of Geraldo. We're talking six, seven years ago that you led him to the Lord. Would that have been? Something so, like that. Uh, I graduated in 2012, so okay. it's uh, seven or eight years ago. Seven or eight years, yeah, yeah, because I, yeah. I graduated 13. So, yeah, um, seven, eight years ago. Um, and praise the Lord, not by our doing, but the fact that he's still faithfully there and was at a soul winning clinic. That's just fantastic. I mean, who knows how many people he's led the Lord in his spiritual life. So that, that's that's awesome. Yeah, Where, I know I interrupted you there, but I thought no, that was no, no, no. That, that's a great, it's a great story. And it's a it's a product of, you know, you know, these these Bible college students um, running around like chickens with a head cut off, you know, doing ministry. And some of it sticks sometimes. That's a blessing. Did you. I, I, you don't learn, you know, sewing doesn't come through osmosis or, and, you know, all that. But at what point in your life did you do as a teenager, 
did you see your dad doing it? Do you go with your dad? And so you became good at the script, if you want to call it that. At what point for you, did you say, man, this is something I need to make part of who I am as well? Yeah. Um, our, our church is just a soul winning church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in the past couple of years, my health has not uh, allowed me to go as, as often as I'd like. You know, I'm not going to uh, sit here and, and say that it's been a, a weekly thing because I'd love it to be, but it, but it hasn't been. Um, but but when I have been uh, very consistently uh, healthy, um, it's it, it's just a thing where you get out there and um, it, it could be that. You're not looking forward to it all because it's just, uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, the the moment you get out there and you knock two or three doors, um, you you just get excited. You're meeting brand new people, mm-hmm. and you know, and getting to witness to them. Our church has made it a culture of soul winning. It is not um, one thing that's tacked on. Mm-hmm. It's the the Great Commission is is central. Sure. That's that's one part of the Great Commission, but uh, when that becomes central, um, the 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 spirit of this church is not uh, centering on all the all the things on the periphery. There's all sorts of little debates and and things that cause uh, schisms and people getting angry at one another. Um, but if everyone is on the same page, knowing that the big thing, if if we do the big thing. We're, we're doing great and we're going in the right direction. Um, schisms happen when you think the big thing is, you know, not, not what the big thing is. And it's, right. it's some weird little doctrine you're getting uh, bent out of shape about or, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, bickering with one another, whatever. But the, uh, but the emphasis, if it's on the Great Commission, just makes uh, very happy people because you're really doing what uh, God has placed you on this earth to do. And so um, that, that's a credit to my dad of um, being consistent about it. It's been a, a push and an emphasis from the very beginning, and it hasn't let up. Sure. And I, I'm glad you took it in that direction, um, though I was talking about you personally, though, and you answered that question, but pointing out that the main keeping the main thing the main thing you know we ridicule churches that split over the color of the carpet but unless it is soul winning or you know the gospel and and understand i'm not saying we all just need to sing kumbaya and join hands but there like you said there's a lot of other little things that are just as ridiculous if we were all focused on the main thing we would be a whole lot better off um and I, i love the fact that you mentioned that making it a culture that it's just something that, and it's top down and your, your, your father obviously does a great job with that. Um, and consistently in his own personal life. And I, you know, I'm thinking this is a personal thing that Mike Ray does, but it's a church thing that Mike Ray's a part of, um, which, which is great. And, um, it, it also allows for that exponential growth, the multiplication growth, instead of it just being Mike Ray, standing on the dock fishing it's everyone else in the church standing on the dock too and that that's fantastic and you are married to miss melanie i we we, we kind of i kind of skimmed over the family and all of that uh, miss melanie and the little one and miss melanie plays a piano i believe was able to mm-hmm. be on some tour groups and things has a great family and uh appreciate uh, knowing some of, some of her uh, family as well um and you guys get to serve in the ministry together there now um remind me if you don't mind who, who else is on staff there at um because i know some great folks have been on staff who, who's on staff there in, uh, in, in yeah Java? yeah so so melanie does all the music she has almost 20 piano students she does um um 
the the prep work uh, for the choir, does all the special music, all that sort of thing. So that's um, you know that's a, that's a big cat. deal, yeah. Yes. Um, especially with a little toddler running around. Uh, there, there's me. I do a lot of um, odds and ends stuff, uh, graphic design, adult discipleship, um, adult Sunday school, that type of thing. Um, and then Eric Marzak is our youth pastor. He's also our uh, choir director, our um, Christian school principal, and every other thing that uh, mm-hmm. that we need. Uh, his wife, Charity, my sister, just had twin girls um, awesome. a couple days ago, and um, and then we have you know our our bookkeeper, uh, Miss Rachel, my my dad. We have our um, our Christian school staff, and that's that's pretty much it. Which means that we are a a layman run church. And so mm-hmm. we have um, we have power laymen, if you will, mm-hmm. who are are true pillars of the church and are not paid. Um, people like uh, Bruno Garcia, who does our RU ministry and um, does a bus route as well. Um, but it's a very large RU ministry, um, and he just has a passion for that. We have uh, just so many people that I could name that have shouldered the load. And it didn't require a full-time staff member to do, say, um, lawn maintenance or something. I mean, it's... Sure. Yeah, and people don't understand the cost of living sometimes in California. Um, And the things that someone I was going to mention, not to to dive too far back, but speaking of soul winning, it works in Napa. And... California and people, you know, have these preconceptions about what California is and the type of people and things. But I can tell you, if it works, if soul winning, door to door confrontational soul winning. Now, you, I'm sure you guys have a whole lot of hooks in the water. I and mean, we, we talked about Facebook marketing and some different advertising you can do, uh, just another hook in the water. Um, but if door to door confrontational soul winning works where you're at, it definitely works on the East Coast. It definitely works in the Midwest. And I think people get away from thinking, now, I'm not saying that should be your only hook in the water. But if you only have to pick one, it's a pretty good one to pick. In this well, yeah, ahead. no, no. Here's the thing, though. You have to make some distinctions, I think. Mm-hmm. Soul winning is not um, going out and knocking on doors and inviting people. Sure, you you sure. won't get a whole lot of people in church that way. If it's, mm-hmm. hello, you know, here's an invitation. Would love to have you come sometime. Great. Um, if, if it's – if a church has moved from soul winning to to that, well, no wonder it doesn't work. We're talking about um, presenting the gospel to people and seeing people accept Christ at the door there or have more questions come to the church. Those people who have a, a real connection with you um, are more likely to stick than, than people that you just give a track to. We're talking yeah. about we're giving the gospel to people is um, is the the hook here. Sure, and not and just that's, that's an important yeah. distinction. What would you say, just off the top of your head, for people to answer the door? What's the percentage of people that you're just use your dad as, as an example of an excellent soul winner? What's the percentage of people that your dad gets into at least the question? Do you know for sure where you? However, he asks it. Do you know for sure where you'd go? What's the percentage of people that he talks to that open the door? Well. Um, you, you always have very friendly people, you know, right, right. Um, but but say you knock 100 doors, you may have someone um, let you present the gospel the whole way through. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're going soul winning one hour a week, you, you may not get that chance for five weeks. Right. You know, and that's that, that that's just how it goes. Right. Um, but but soul winning works in the case where if you, you put enough hours in, you meet enough people, someone will um, allow you to present the gospel to them. Someone is ready. 
if on a given Sunday morning we asked everyone to stand who my dad personally got in church, you might have a fourth of the, um, you know, the auditorium stand. So it, it it works if you put that that time in it, and it is a priority. If it's just something you dabble in, uh, that's why people quit the the, the soul winning ministries because it uh, it's not effective. Right. And you got, you got to work it to make it work. Um, we have some friends that, uh, not to change the subject, but we have some friends, um, uh, Fabrizio and some other folks that we, we know from the past. And it's pra- praise God to see some of them, though, so, some not, that, this is not slight, but some not in the ministry um, because God didn't call them to. Um, and that was not their life calling. Uh, but it's great to see some of them products of Hopewell that are still serving God. Um, it, it, your dad obviously fantastic youth pastor written books on that as well um can you speak to the culture of now brother marzak has that responsibility there correct correct was that or you said brother marzak has has the youth uh, that's his responsibility there correct um but obviously learn much from your father um as far as the culture of youth work and we, we won't get too far in the weeds on on this but culture of youth work that you got to see your dad put in uh, I, I would like to talk to him at some point about this in person, but what, what are some emphasis that, that he put on in, into youth work that put out some of the, the names that you and I both know that are serving God, whether in ministry or out? Yeah, I, I don't really know how to answer that. I mean, it was a great uh, youth group and Brother Eric has done a great job in his, sure. um, in ex- his example to all of us and just being um, – um, faithful. And, you know, he's been a youth pastor for uh, 12, uh, 14 years, and that's that's pretty rare. Right. And he's um, uh, content to be, uh, you know, that man here. And so, sure. and he's not allowed to leave either because he has the grandkids. So. <laughs> right, right, right. And he and just does, from everything I've heard, does, does a great job there. Now, we are, let me check the time. We're getting close to an hour or so. And I feel like we could talk, you and I have talked for over hours sometimes on finer points of different theology. And normally you are the one doing all the intelligent talking and I, I'm the straight man that just says, no, no, no that's, that's, not, that's not, uh, true. that's not, true. but um, any, we, we won't belabor it too long. Any, any thoughts or um, any things that I'm missing didn't pick up on. I, I always try to get into what my interviewees are, are passionate about anything that I might've, might've missed along those veins. Um, you know, I, it, it really does depend on, you know, what you want to dig into. You know, I can I can talk your ear off, I'm sure. But, sure. Um, you know, I don't know. It's it's up to you. Sure. Absolutely. Well, I, I greatly appreciate you taking the time. Um, the You, for those that are listening, Jonathan Ray has been a, a good friend to me for a long, many years now. And, well, in my lifetime, at least, I, it's not that long um, in the grand scheme, but in my lifetime relative to me. And uh, one of the few that has um, found, well, not found me worthy, but been been there. Um, because there, there's a lot of folks I know that we, we both went to college with that were call it shining stars and it's not a knock on them. They were quote shining stars while they were there and have since um, never to be heard from. And that's not just because they don't have a big social media presence. And so I appreciate your consistency. And you mentioned, you know, it being um, maybe halfway through Bible college that you got that solidified, but I appreciate the fact that you've been, you've been there, you've stayed, you know, even with, you know, some health issues that we won't get into and things, but different things going on, you've, you've stayed. And so I greatly appreciate that. 
and um, hope uh, hope I've been as good a friend to you as you have to me. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we will not yeah. we will not belabor the point or anything, but I think at some point maybe we'll just have just a straight theology. <laughs> talk okay. and we can just get way way into the weeds on just some fine point of something and uh, just just blow people's minds with something something crazy go ahead yeah no you you know the big thing there um it, it's it's I wanted to loop back to something you said. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, Bible Bible College is not going to teach you everything, and it it really is not a uh, a knock on Bible College because it's it's not the 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 point of it right. uh, to do that. Um, and I'm glad that Bible College allowed us to know how to do ministry and to um to to use it as a as a laboratory a little bit on. Uh, here's how here's how you do a ministry. You figure it out here, and maybe you make uh, some mistakes, right. um, and then you you know uh, go out to your, your own ministry. Um, but I feel like Bible college you know teaches you the ministry aspect, and then you know if you if you do other um, uh, classes down the road, or you 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 just read a lot of books or whatever just on your own, you can always add the um the the depth on top right but especially if you're doing some sort of online classes and i know you did a couple right Mm -hmm. um if you're doing online classes you're not there in person and you can't i mean you can't teach someone how to preach or how to do certain ministries online you know (laughs) listening to a couple videos or something uh the 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 substitute for going to a college if you can um there really is no substitute for in-person learning on the practical aspects. You can always add the the, the study tool type of stuff afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so um, colleges that are offering programs to do the, the undergrad all online, I just personally think is a really bad idea if you can go there. You know, mm-hmm. if you're older person in the church and you don't want to uproot stakes and you just want, you know, Bible college education, that's great for online people. But um, for people straight out of Bible college, uh, online college should not be uh, something you, you pursue at all. Sure. If you want to have real practical uh, training, you mm-hmm. know, I. Yeah, you know, I, I really believe that, and so I, I think seminary adds the adds the theoretical, and um, Bible college uh, does the practical. But it has to be done in that order: the practical, and then on top of there, you, you can't. You, there's only so many things you can cram in in a four year degree. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, that's a, that's a great point. And for those that are listening, and as a youth pastor, I would just say ditto. I would say absolutely right. Um, and that's not even speaking of the growing up that a lot of people need to do, especially in this day and age. We're, we're not coming off. And I'm speaking for myself, too. I didn't come from a family, and this is not talking my parents, but from a family where, you know, I kn- knew how to milk cows and, you know, do all these you know, <laughs> crazy things at three o'clock in the morning. And my, my dad ran a tight ship and I knew and I still you know drill and ceremony from the military and I can still salute properly. But uh, those are things that other people might not have. But there's a lot of growth in that 18 to 22, 17 to 21 time frame that a lot of people need. And they need to get, you know, they need to stand in Brother Oxendine's office and be told, you know, no, this is just how it's going to be. And, you know, but it's not fair. Well, this is how it's going to be. And you need that, especially when you're always told, you know, you're right and everything about you is awesome when everything isn't. Uh, But I think you're exactly right that 
that we because we've you and I have talked about um, you know there, there doesn't seem to be many good independent Baptist seminaries. Well, that's on purpose. There's a not on purpose, but there's a reason for that because they're all set up to produce preachers to produce people that want to go out and do ministry. And you can learn the finer points. You can get into Zechariah and Ezekiel, but to get down the Romans road, you don't need those. And so in four years of Bible college, you can learn a lot of practical stuff. And so I think that's, that's a great point. And for those that are listening, if there are any teenagers listening, strongly consider Bible college. And like Jonathan Ray said, strongly consider not doing just online you know, I say I can stay in my home church. Yes, you can. And you can learn a lot of practical things in your home church. Um, but there is something to be said for going even 3000 miles away to California from Ohio or wherever you may be and learning those things, boots on the ground with people you don't know and making friends of a lifetime, people that you will converse with uh, years and years down the road. If I had stayed at home, we never would have met, you know, and our life would have taken different turns. So I appreciate that. So any last words before we go off the air here? Uh, I just think on that, um, just to uh, add a little bit to that Mm -hmm. online type thing discussion. Um, When, when you do online classes or distance learning classes, they call it, it's meant for you um, as a um, a very highly motivated uh, person who wants to do research that that does not describe an undergrad degree, right? Um, it's, it's very different. Uh, so you're, you're isolated, you're by yourself, you have no social interaction in ministry. And a lot of times online colleges that are doing bachelor's degree are, are money-making tools. It's mm-hmm. not some sort of bash. It's just, that's reality. It, mm-hmm. it does allow them to make a lot more money than they would have. And again, it's helpful for older people, um, older people. I mean, people with families at least, um, to be able to stay in their home church and get, uh, educated. Um, but it, you know, I can't stress enough that it's, it's just not a good idea if you're not, solely going in to learn how to study the Bible or doing uh, biblical research to think it's some sort of good substitute. Sure. So, I don't know. Sure. That's a no, parting, parting shot at that. Yeah. No, I, I think you're exactly right. I hope someone takes, uh, takes that to heart. Um, you, you only, especially for younger folks, you only got one shot at your 17, 18. You only got one shot at any time, but the saying you only live once, that is very true. And if, if you, uh, not cripple yourself, but I think you hinder yourself a little bit when you don't expose yourself to all that you could. And yes, will it cost a little bit more? Does it require some travel? Yes, uh, but it will be better for you. Um, people can bemoan the ills of Bible college and, and things, but until you come up with a better substitute that actually works in the practical real world, it's it's a good system and, and, and God's blessed it and we're products of it. So um Maybe I won't speak too highly of of, of, of how good it is. But, Jonathan, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, This has been... If you have not listened to my very next podcast, number 17 with evangelist Ted Houston, please do yourself a favor and listen to that interview. I'll talk more at the beginning of that interview for just a moment, but it was the first interview where I had the conscious thought that I need to shut up and let the man of God speak. And I 
did that to some degree, asked a question and got out of the way, you will enjoy it. Please take the time to listen to that. Number 17 coming up next with evangelist Ted Houston.